and we listen to yours. The new face of talk radio, Voice America Women's Radio Network. To the Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. Good morning. I am Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone on Voice America Women's Channel. And joining me is my co host this morning, as always, Lauren Deller, president of Big Fish Nation, a 12 month entrepreneurial program, which you can take in the comfort of your own home or office, and you can log on and to Lauren's new website. How are you this morning, Lauren? Good morning, Catherine. I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm I'm great. We have two great guests on this morning. Real excited about it. One of them uh, is the author of the new book, and this is this is a bestseller already. Younger Next Year for Women. And when I, that you know the description of my show went up on the website on the Women's Channel. Um. One of the things that uh, I got so many emails uh, for this particular book, Younger Next Year for Women, because everybody wants to know how to, women, especially baby boomers, how to be um, younger next year. And he focuses on a lot of the issues that baby boomers have over 50 staying younger. Anyway, we can't have him on the show this morning. <laughs> That's the, he has to reschedule, so ladies, you're going to have to wait for Dr. Henry Lodge. He's going to need to reschedule, which is too bad. But anyway, that was a really good. Uh, I was already for where is he? <laughs> He's not here, so uh, it will give uh, ladies an opportunity to read the book, and then you can ask Dr. Henry uh, questions when he gets on the show. But uh, I actually, he had uh, his first book was Younger Next Year not just for women, but it was for everybody, and he wrote it with Chris Crawley. They were the uh, two authors of the book, and I had Chris on the show. Anyway, so, but this was specifically for women, so we will reschedule him. But our second guest is Julie Rosso, and she's author of The Silver Palette Cookbook. She's going to be coming up in the second half hour, and she's going to be discussing the Silver Anniversary Edition of The Silver Palette Cookbook. This is uh, America's favorite cookbook, Lauren. It's 25 years old and still being used. It is a dynamite cookbook, and if you have any concerns about doing stuff for the holiday, cooking, Christmas, are you going to be cooking? Uh, most likely. I, you know, I make it simple. I just, you know, it's <laughs> what going to be it? small. I don't have a lot of people coming. So, And uh, for Thanksgiving, I had people come here and cook for me. So, <laughs> Did you hire a chef? No, no, no. My aunt and uncle drove from Florida and cooked the whole meal. They oh, drove and cooked. Oh, fantastic. So when you invite people to the house, they have to do the cooking. Yeah, I'm pretty strategic about the process. Yeah. yeah. I do do like to cook. Like, I'll do, like, a couple little things and be sure they're done really well. So I like a good recipe because I do follow recipes. You're not creative. You don't just, like, throw stuff in there. No, no, no. I'm I'm not an artistic. I'm I'm not artistic or creative when it comes to cooking. I follow directions very well. Yeah, I, but I want to get back to the thing. You invite people and they have to cook. See, I, like I don't like to cook anymore. I had Thanksgiving. We had a very small Thanksgiving. We had five people. That was it, the boys and, and uh, my partner. But he does the cooking. He cooks the turkey, and I cook some of it, and I cook one thing, and then everybody else cooks something else. Perfect. I, yeah. That's yeah, how I like to do it. Everybody does a little bit, and it's all of a sudden a great, big, nice meal. And does Rob cook? Oh, God, no. Rob, will, <laughs> he makes himself scarce. We wonder who he is. But do you get angry? Do you? I do. Yeah, I, I mean, get I mean, resentful. I get mm-hmm. resentful. 
So how do you handle that? Because you've only been married a couple of years. <laughs> so this, this, this resentment is seriously is going to build up each holiday, holiday after holiday. And he's going in the other room watching the football game. No, he goes out on mountain bikes and he cleans up the yard and he, you know, cleans off the deck. And you know, he's always, he's very productive, but it's not productive in that, like, that's not a priority to me at this moment. You know what I mean? That's so, right. In other words, blowing off the deck. He's always cleaning the deck, and he's always, you know, he's such a boy. (laughs) You know, he wants to be outside. He's cutting down trees, and he's mowing the lawn. And, you know, we're still in Texas. He's still mowing the lawn a little bit here and there, you know. So suddenly when there's a dinner party or this Christmas dinner, uh, he's gone. He's out on the deck. He's cleaning. He's he's, mean, He's doing what he feels are important things to contribute to the day. But they're not to me. You know, I'd rather you side by side cooking with me, but that's not his thing. So if you asked him, because I, I hear this from a lot of women, and this is, this is a big issue, and especially now because there are so many holidays. I mean, they kind of one after the next. And if you have Thanksgiving, you have Christmas, you have New Year's, and then if you have somebody's birthday or anniversary, then you've got this kind of resentment building up. I don't want to start trouble in your family. But <laughs> <laughs> maybe no, I do. It is. It is, a, yeah. it is an issue, and it's what I've decided is, you know, it's, we haven't had any traditional, like, so we're going to do the same thing every year, and I'm cooking. So I don't, I don't want to get into that pattern. My aunt suggested she was going to come. She's definitely the queen of Thanksgiving. So I was so into it because that was the best of both worlds. Come to my house. You cook for me. I was happy with doing some cleanup and doing some prep work, and I did that. It was a lot of work, actually, because we had company for a whole week, you know. So... Um, yeah, for th- for Christmas. But you want to stay away from this issue. That's what I hear it's you. It's not that I want to stay away from it. I don't want to get into a routine of I am making an agreement to cook every holiday because I refuse. I don't want to do that. You know, one a couple years ago, he and I volunteered at a church and gave out turkey dinners and then went to a park. We didn't even have a Thanksgiving dinner. That's what I think I'm going to do next year. <laughs> I think that's a great idea. But I always am hooked up with men and listen to this, ladies, who cook. I just think that's great. Yeah, I mean, my first husband, and we had a lot of issues, a lot of other issues that didn't work out, but one of the things was he was this fantastic gourmet cook. Wow. So that it wasn't an issue. I mean, and I also like to do some of it, so we did it together. Now, Barry, as you all know, my boyfriend now, he's a fantastic chef also. So uh, that's one of my criteria. I mean, I really, (laughs) it is. And I am very adamant about that, and I taught my boys to cook. Ladies, you have to teach your sons to cook. Definitely. Well, you see, Rob would say he cooks. Like, Rob will do, a, he'll do simple dinners, you know, for the three of us, and, but he was not into the big, like, he thinks we put, he thinks women put way too much emotion into a holiday meal. Now, that's an interesting concept. Put way, now, what does he mean by that? We put too much in. If it were him, he would, you know, throw in a turkey and, you know, he might even fry a turkey and make some mashed potatoes and we'd be done, you know. But see, he doesn't know that, Lauren, until he actually does it. Because once you start doing it, it becomes very different. I mean, he's a very uh, competitive guy. He's very successful. So when he actually, if he starts cooking and try, and, and doing a presentation for other people, he that he would, would become more emotional. Yes. Because yeah, he wanted, I would agree with that. Yeah, because then he'll want it to turn out right, and he'll want people to like his cooking and, and like him for doing it. So it all changes, and it's just... It's, it's because he's not... You're right. He's not been in that situation before. And if he has, it's like it's a joint project. You know, if, I, if we throw a party, which we've done a number of them together, not, I mean, a lot of them together, uh, he, he's not into the food piece, because I think it's because I do a good job with it, you know? 
Yeah, well, you don't, yes, I understand that part. You're so good at it, why should I even try? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but now, Sierra, you have a daughter. This is a, this is a show for, for, for women. And you, she's two years old. She's watching you too. She sees how you interact, who does what, when to whom. And like, what do you want her to pick up in terms of gender roles? It's a huge issue, actually. And I'll say, usually once a week, once every two weeks, if he's traveling a ton, I'll say, you know what? I'm not doing dinner tonight. Either we go out and you're paying, or we stay in and you're cooking. <laughs> you know? And you choose, and you choose, and we do both. He gets to choose. I just say I'm like the kitchen's closed. I'm out of the kitchen. I'm on vacation. You know, this tonight. I just I'm not into it. I don't feel like doing it. And it's been easier when you know she's bigger. It's been easier now that she eats normal food with us. So you know she can go out to dinner with us. She can cook whatever I cook. She eats. You know. Yeah, because my question is, as parents and, and new parents, but older parents, parents who have had a lot of experience and you know pretty much who you are, each one of you, and your values and all those kinds of things, like, do you sit down and really, and, and seriously, do, and think about, well, what kind of role models we want to be to... Uh, I think about it all the time, and yeah. I think he probably thinks about it a fraction of the amount of time that I do. Um, do you think it's because she's a girl, and if it were his, a son, it may be different? Such a good question. That could be, and I just think it's my natural, it's what I do, and I think it's not his way to put so much time and energy into the thought about it. Um, But we do have conversations about, you know, what is this teaching her, whatever it is we're talking about. You know, what is this teaching her, and is this what we want to teach her? You know, are we being intentional about what we want to teach her? So how often do you discuss this? I mean, is this something... We're having a therapy session. It could, you know, it does, I think about it every day, I have to tell you that. Do we talk about it every day? Absolutely not. Does it, so, and I find, I find that it comes up more when there's issues than when things are great. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, yeah. And the problem is it comes up when there are issues, when you're having an argument or you disagree, and then it becomes toxic and exactly. we're difficult to talk about it. So you exactly. Have to, yeah. So uh, from a social work perspective, you've got to remember the issues and then, do it at a time when you are not in the talk. Discuss the issue. Discuss it all when you're not in this toxic situation, whatever it is, because that's a recipe it's, for yeah, disaster. It doesn't, make, it doesn't do any. There's no. Um, there's no development. There's no productivity in that conversation. You're exactly right. It has to. It, it needs to happen when we're both calm, cool, collected, and thinking about truly what we want as humans. How do you feel about arguing in front of the kids? You know, that's and a, I go back and forth on it because there's times where I can't help myself. <laughs> when you're screaming at him. <laughs> and there's other times that I, you know, I also find that I think just overall, I think, and I was talking to a friend of mine, a female friend of mine yesterday. I had a long time in the car, and she, we, were, we were comparing notes on, on boys, on men. And um, I do think that we, as women, we are... We try to change them, and I want them to be a little different rather than accepting who they are, exactly who they are. I think men are better at that, and they just don't. So, yeah, such a big Men are better at not wanting to change their partners or their spouses. They they can just that live and let live attitude. A little bit better. In a lot of cases, I think that's true. Or are they just not aware? See, I think think it's a part of the male brain, and I'm not saying this in a derogatory way. In the yes, you are. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm, I'm sort of referring to that book. Remember the female brain, that's yeah, the physician who wrote that? that? And she talks yeah. about the differences between the male and female brain. Uh, another book listeners should go out and get. But that they're just, they're not, they're hardwired for sort of not picking up the nuances of those kinds of things because, you know, they used, you know, when they were the cavemen, they had to be out 
fighting for their families exactly. and out, yeah, and they couldn't if they were attuned to all those nuances, they wouldn't have been able to do what they had to do. And vice versa, we would be if we were not the nurturers naturally over the last bazillion years, we wouldn't be the, the thoughtful, nurturing, care, you know, caring people that we are. Exactly, and we're going to take a break on that one. Catherine Zox and Lauren Beller on the Women's Channel, Voice America Women and VoiceAmericaWomen.com. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. I'm your social worker with a microphone. Talk with you, not at you. We're Voice America, Women's Radio Network, the new face of talk radio. I have three children, and I've been raising my 16-year-old sister. Mary Gallagher and her family shared a two-bedroom apartment with eight people. Now Habitat for Humanity is helping her build a simple, decent, affordable home of her own. When we first found out that we were getting a Habitat home, it was like a dream. I kept saying, don't anybody wake me up. Not only is Mary helping build her own home, she'll buy it with a no-profit, zero-interest mortgage to keep it affordable. Habitat came out and built my home, and when Mary started building her house, I wanted to come out and give a hand. We're not just building Mary's house, we're building a neighborhood. There's several more to be built this year, and I look forward to working on each of their houses and seeing the joy of their face when they open the door to their brighter future. Habitat for Humanity. Building homes, changing lives. Support the work in your community. Visit Habitat.org. I feel very blessed. God has answered all of my prayers. We are home. Ladies, are you looking for a place where you can talk candidly about anything and everything? Well, here it is. Timeless Women Speak on the Voice America Women's Channel. We'll talk about sexuality, age-proofing your career, finding your passion and purpose, keeping your brain power, keeping your marriage fresh, dating for grown-ups, plastic surgery, surviving our beauty culture, and much more. Tune in Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific to Timeless Women Speak with Dr. Nancy O'Reilly on the Voice America Women's Channel. Radio that talks with you, not at you. Voice America, Women's Radio Network. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. Welcome back to the Catherine Zox Show. I'm your social worker with the microphone here on the Women's Channel with Lauren Beller. And if you are just joining us, she and I have been chatting, but we also in the next half hour, stay tuned for this because we have our next guest, actually our first guest of the show today is Julie Rosso, and she's author of the Silver Palette Cookbook, and she's going to be talking about the Silver Anniversary Edition. So this cookbook has been around for a long time, and for those of you who have also been around for a long time, you probably have this cookbook on your shelf. I have uh, I have about three or four of them that I use that are just like classics, and this is one of them. So, Lauren, um, 
we were talking about the male brain when we took our break, that uh, they're just not quite as attuned to what's happening uh, around them, especially in the home and their surroundings. And that can be good and bad. I mean, you know, sometimes if they're not as sensitive to, to certain things that, that are going on in the house, it's a good thing because then you can do things the way you want to do it. It's you don't totally have to do... true. You're yeah, exactly but... right. And I think a lot of us overlook that. In other yeah. words, there is a plus to how men are wired and we tend to be all about criticizing it. And I can be very critical about stuff like that. I can be very critical, too. I've been told by my family, and I'm gonna, and I have been told by my, this includes my kids, my immediate family, and my partner, that I'm a very critical person. And I never thought of myself as that. I, now, I don't know if you think of me as a critical person. You can say it if you want to. But... <laughs> I never. It, it, Thanks for the permission. Well, you know how holidays are. I'm giving you the permission because you know what happens during holidays, and everybody's had a few drinks, or at least in our family we do, and they get loose and they get uh, a little, you know, and so they're more willing to share their feelings about each other. And we do that because you got to talk, you got to communicate. You don't have to, but I think it makes it more interesting. For sure. And, yeah, and that's what I've been. I've got this sort of came out during the holiday season. During oh, just, just recently. Well. You know, it's been, I mean, Barry, of course, always tells my partner that I'm too critical, but it kind of is, I'm getting this, um, you know, what do you, what do you call it, critical mass? I'm hearing it from several people. Uh, and I truly did not think that I was that critical or that kind of a person. Uh, maybe I'm just ready to hear it. You know, sometimes you have to be ready to hear this stuff. And, it's so true. Or they're yeah. feeling like you could hear it from them for the first time. Isn't it funny? But I would say, Catherine, I would agree with them that you're critical, but not in a way that's bad. I was actually talking about you yesterday um, with a mutual friend of ours. And um, I, I love your criticalness because I think it keeps you on the edge and it keeps you on the edge of, um, you know, trendy. You know the trends. You're critical about the old but into the new. So there's Again, just like men, there's pros and cons to being critical. That's interesting. Okay, it's it's that kind of. It's, I'm not complacent. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Yeah. You're not just a you know pushover. You're a yeah. strong, independently independent thinker. Gorgeous. You left out. Oh, that. I forgot gorgeous. <laughs> oh, how could you know? It's because we're by phone. I know. So you were talking about me. Okay, I should have. Uh, you know, we have to get into that. Don't tell me too much after the show, but. Uh, <laughs> We talk about each other all the time. Anyway, I want everyone to know, too, about your website, because I think it's very cool. And, you know, the website issue keeps coming up, and it's becoming more. I don't know if you saw the recent article in the Wall Street Journal, but it was all about using uh, blogging and websites for marketing, and um, that that's really going to be, you know, with the next year or two, uh, that's going to be the... It's, going to take the place of a lot of the, the uh, other kinds of marketing we do through newspapers and magazines and stuff like that. I agree. With, I, have, I tried to find the article. I actually couldn't find it. But I, I agree with it. And I know people that are putting all their efforts into blogging. And it's, there's no more radio advertising. There's no more TV. It's like the old-fashioned radio. I think Internet radio is the up and coming. Not our ra- like, Internet radio, yes. Internet radio <laughs> is definitely going to be... It's like blogging because it's Internet-based. You know, anything Internet-based is going to be so... I agree with it. I think it's the wave of the future. So how does the blogging work in terms of the marketing? I mean, do you know exactly... Let's say you, you, get a, you have your website, you have a blog, and you have a product to sell, whatever the product is, and then with your blogging... You, you do what? You talk about topics that are relevant to your product and service. And a lot of people now have other, like, in other words, let's... I mean, take I, up service or take a product and let's go with it. So a lot, let's just use consulting as a, because I know this one particular person, he's an author, he's a consultant, 
Um, he's a speaker. He's a trainer. He does all that work, and he has his own blog. But more recently, what I've heard of what I've heard what he's up to is he's blogging on other people's blogs. Like he'll go to other people's blogs and respond. But even more importantly, he's being hired to be the blogger behind other people's professional blogs. So he's a ghostwriter for the blog. Exactly. What's and not, his name? Not a ghostwriter. <laughs> not even a ghostwriter. A real writer. Like he wants his name out there. So he will only blog if he can use his real name. So, in other words, he'll say, I'm Joe Smith, or he signs off as Joe Smith, but he's blogging for... For, like, a um, sales magazine. So, let's say there's a sales magazine out there that... Or an entrepreneur magazine. They, I'm sure they have blogs. And so, they'll, they'll ask different professionals to be the author of their blogs. So, that's a whole new industry. Isn't it? It's a whole yeah, new it's industry. A whole, yeah, a whole new business. You call it a profession, whatever. It's a, or whole, a whole new medium. It's a whole new medium for writers. Exactly. That, for writers, right? for um, communicators, for um, people that are experts, experts of any kind. What would be the downside of, the, of you doing that then? There's, I, mean, I don't if, think there's a downside. I think it's a, just another, it's a, rather than doing an infomercial, you're blogging. So everyone or one, if you're starting a business, this is a great way, let's say you're as an entrepreneur and you're the expert in that or, and let's you know, hone in on women's businesses. Um, this would would you recommend as a business coach that this is something that one should do initially in a startup business or something that's been going on, let's say, for two or three years? I think that it's definitely something we have to keep our eyes on. I think because think about this: you and I are probably not the people that are sitting up at midnight watching infomercials. Somebody, else. I am. Oh, are you? I'm because I'm a baby boomer who has insomnia. So. <laughs> I, <laughs> So I, I am. I'm one of those, you know, menopausal, postmenopausal women who wake up and you'll soon know, not too soon, but when this happens, and you wake up at three o'clock in the morning and all there is to see is these infomercials. So you kind of get hooked on those. Well, so, I'm up at three o'clock in the morning, but not because of postmenopausal issues. It's because I have a 21-month-old who's in the middle of the night waking up and wanting to play. <laughs> all right. So women are up 24/7 for their whole lives for whatever reason. You know, they get yeah. older, then they get they have they there's have other things, infirmities that keep them up. So we're always up. So we may be watching some of those infomercials. But anyway, you're saying what? The point um, is, is the, you know, some people watch infomercials and buy product. Other people are going to blog and buy product, services. It's just another medium where people are learning more about a product or service. So I do think it's it's a great, It's an, although I have to say I'm not a reader of blogs. Are you? No, I, st- I just started. I, you know, I, I'm hesitating because I haven't been. But then I don't know. In the past month or so, I started getting hooked on some of these blogs, and it, it, it started with I had um, some kind of a uh, my physical problem, not a huge one, but something that was bothering me, and it had to do, you know, with my doing athletics and pulling something in my leg and that kind of thing. And I went online and I'm looking at somebody is blogging about exactly the same kind of stuff that's happening to me and what they did for it. And I thought, you know, it was almost like a a therapy session. I was concerned about this particular pain in my leg. And then I read about this person who's blogging and how she handled it and what she did. And, you know, I, I felt really good afterwards and I tried whatever it was that she had suggested. And I felt it was very helpful, and then so wow. then I started doing the blog thing. Interesting, because I I haven't been doing much of I've been writing on my own blog, but I've not been reading other people's blogs a ton at this point. It's because it's so time consuming. So what do you do? How do you sort out the internet? There's so much so much stuff out there, and and I'm starting to read articles. Actually, there are people who are in the profession of talking about you know what you should 
how to kind of filter out the stuff that is just not important, which is difficult to do you, you, and, and getting anxious or upset because there's so much information and a feeling that, oh, my goodness, I'm not getting it all. That's what I feel. It's, I, well, there, I think about that with books. Like I've compared it to a library. You know, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of books in a library. I couldn't possibly ever read them all if I tried. So I feel the same way about the Internet. And I read it when I can and when things come across my desk that catch my attention. Or if I'm... Um, you know, it's just like you, your example of your physical health problem. If I have a physical health thing, I always go to the Internet first before I call a doctor, you know? Yeah, I do too, because then I go to the doctor armed with more information. Exactly. And, yeah, and, and actually I ended up going to the doctor. I went to the orthopedist for this thing in my leg the other day, and it was interesting because he made some kind of a diagnosis with this big, long name, which is some – I'm not sure that that's what the reason or the why I'm having the problem, but he wrote it out for me. Yeah. And he said, because I know you're going to go home and you're going to look it up and, and you know, get all the information. So he, you know, he, he was sort of helping me to kind of search the net with the information that he gave me because, you know, that's what it people helped. do. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, but like filtering out that information, I find it, I think I like your analogy, you can't go into the library and read a thousand books. So it's the same way on the net. You have to just, you have to just sort it out and not be over, because you can become, I think it's easy to become addicted to it. I am, yes. And I, I think I'm having a little addiction problem. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, it's, I'm going to get an iPhone. So my kids said to me, why are you going to get an iPhone? I said, so I can check my email every 30 seconds. So I can, a smartphone. And I didn't do it on Black Friday because it was too crowded and, and I just don't want to, you know, hassle with that. So I'm going to, I think, go down and get one. Do you have an iPhone? No, I refuse. It's like, you know, I... I think I don't want to be that, you know, they call them crackberries. I don't want to be a crackberry user. Crackberry, that's, I haven't heard that expression. <laughs> crackberries, ladies, you don't want to become a crackberry. I don't want to. And I, you know, I do, I was on, I literally drove to, from Austin to Fort Worth yesterday. It's a three and a, three and a quarter, three hours and 15 minute drive at least. And I was on the phone from the moment I got into the car from, to the moment I parked my car, both directions. And I thought, what if I added internet to this? I'd be crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're doing two major. You're, all right, so you're focusing supposedly focusing on the driving, and then you're also talking. That's what I do too. I do the same. Yeah, yeah I do it. So yeah. why I didn't want it? Why add internet? I mean, I can my phone actually. I could, but I don't want to. I have internet on my cell phone, but it's kind of it's limited and it's, it's yeah. you yeah. know it's small when you look and it's just not it's not that. Um, What's the word? It's just not something that it's made easy. So you really need a bigger phone to be able to do that. But uh, what about text messaging? Everybody text mess. Are you a big text messager? I, you know, I, you know, I it was real. I have to tell you. Do I have time for a really funny story? You have thought, two. You have one minute and thirty seconds for a very really funny story. I thought that text messaging was like this personal romantic thing. So my husband and I were text messaging, and then I found out that he text messages with everybody, and I was so betrayed because I. <laughs> thought that this was this private, like, intimate thing that you did with one another. And when I found out that he did it with everybody, I was so upset. I had a whole new revelation about what text messaging was, and I started text messaging everybody. That's so funny because, Lauren, I mean, that dates you. I, <laughs> that really dates you, but I think most of the ladies who listen, it's okay because they're over 30 because... <laughs> You have to be because these kids text message and they do it so quickly and so they do. It's like uh, it's a uh, text messaging is in some ways replacing email for in some ways. Yeah, yeah, in some ways. 
and I think it's time for us to take a break. Julie is ready, our next guest. So we will have our guest in the second hour, Julie Rosso, author of the Silver Palette Cookbook. So don't go away. Stay with us. I'm Catherine Zox. You are listening to the Women's Channel on Voice America, voiceamerica.com women. radio that informs, entertains, and enlightens you. Voice America, Women's Radio Network. Inner Health Through Homeopathy, hosted by Melissa Birch, CCH, with Dr. Tim Stryker. This show features a weekly discussion about homeopathy, a holistic approach to health care, which treats ailments by bringing the entire body into balance. Homeopathy encompasses and examines the makeup of the entire person instead of focusing solely on a disease or ailment. The healing process involves physical, mental, and emotional changes which come from a wellness within. Homeopathic remedies go far beyond an alleviation of symptoms. They can restore harmony to the body and open paths to a higher level of awareness. Each week, Melissa Birch, CCH, explores a different health issue and individual healing processes with Tim Stryker, MD. Tune in every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for Inner Health Through Homeopathy. Dad, can I ask you something? Sure. There's this girl I kind of like. Say no more. You just have to impress her. Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? You know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, oh! Uh, 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 there you go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. We don't beat you over the head with our opinion, and we listen to yours. The new face of talk radio, Voice America Women's Radio Network. listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you would like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. Welcome back to The Catherine Zox Show. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone on Voice America Women, Voice America Women's Channel, voiceamericawomen.com. And joining us this morning is Julie Rosso. She's the co-author of the Silver Palette Cookbook, and it's their 25th anniversary, their silver wedding anniversary, we could call it. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on. Good morning, Catherine. It's nice to be here. What a great cookbook. Fantastic. And, Julie, I have to tell you, I'm one of the, you know, I saw you, I was one of the users of your cookbook 25 years ago. You were original. An original. <laughs> and, Julie, my boyfriend, my partner, this, he cooks the turkey every year for Thanksgiving. Uh-huh. And he always brings... Two, the, the original silver palette cookbook plus the other one. There's a, you, he brings the silver palette good times cookbook. Uh-huh. Com- combines the two in order to make his turkey, and it's always fabulous. <laughs> it's very, 
Excuse me, it's been very much fun listening to the stories of how these recipes have become part of people's family traditions. I must say, if if people have had fun with this cookbook, I've had more fun than anyone listening to the stories. Julie, why has I mean it really has changed the way America cooks. Why? How did it do that? How, you know. <laughs> Wow. Well, you know, I think it was a lot being in the right place at the right time 25 years ago. It was it was very a bleak time in American food um, because we just come off of our mothers cooking from cans and boxes, you know, and all this new convenience food. And Sheila and I had traveled the world a lot, and we wanted to have those dishes, you know, from around the world on Columbus Avenue, so to speak. Um, and when we opened our store, which was pretty much uh, the first takeout food store in, in the country. Which is the Upper West Side, we have to tell our guests. Upper West Side of yeah. New York. Of New York City. Um, we wanted to be able to have people come in and get spontaneous dinner for themselves or for a dinner party. And, indeed, um, we were incorporating things that were unusual foods for people. Chicken marbella and moussaka and um, oa torta rustica from Italy and and as well as things like salmon mousse and chocolate mousse, but it was the most decadent chocolate mousse in the world. So unusual things, but with ingredients that people could find. You know, it took some searching because, as I say, you know, Italian parsley was an event in our in our local greengrocer. But, so you um, really were in the right place at the right time. We, People were ready to get away from the father knows best kind of cooking. They were, and and I think our our enthusiasm and our passion for food came through loud and clear in this cookbook. People used to tell me they'd take it home and and take it to bed at night and read it because it was filled with quotes and stories and menus and new ingredient information and lots more than than just the recipes. And then when they try one of the recipes, they realized it was really delicious food. Yes. And the, the feedback recipes, they got from their guests, I'm sure, when they served well, it. Well, they, yeah, they got good kudos. Yeah. And the recipes weren't complicated. The very, very best compliment in all these years, and I've heard it often, is that it's like having a friend in the kitchen. So we sort of walked them through something that they hadn't tried and, and wasn't a tried and true recipe in their household and made it comfortable for them. And once they tasted the food and found out it was delicious, well, then they just wanted to go back for more. And so I think that's why it became so popular and friends told friends and it just, you know, blossomed from there. Yeah, and this, and it also it has been one of those things, if you... I remember when you, 25 years ago, was you don't have the silver palette cookbook. <laughs> and there was that kind of an attitude. There How was, uncool. Yes, yes. And, and, well, you, it was. and you know, then this book has been so much fun because um, it was Peter Workman's idea, our publisher, to celebrate with living color. So we now have these recipes coming alive with 150 four-color photographs. Um, we added 30 new recipes because um, the, the recipes taste as delicious to us today as they did 25 years ago, and I think I think you know the food is is good. Um, so, Julie, so you added what'd you say? 30 new recipes. 30 new recipes. So, well, are these recipes now because the, the new kinds of foods, or, or people are eating differently, or no? They were recipes that we felt would be it would appear stupid not to have them. Things like <clears throat> excuse me. Slow-roasted tomatoes. I mean, they're always in my kitchen. They're always, 
you know, that's just an, an ingredient in my life now. Roasted Small asparagus. roasted tomatoes. You know, I love tomatoes, and when they're not in season, they taste terrible, and I, and I buy them anyway. But if you roast them, I would... If you roast them just for a couple of hours, or, well, I do an hour at 400 degrees, you know, drizzle some olive oil and pepper and salt and, and maybe some thyme or, or rosemary over them, they caramelize, and the, the juices of the tomatoes sweeten. And I'm talking, you know, Roma tomatoes, which I think are the best tomatoes to get off-season, or, or cherry tomatoes. Um, they seem to be pretty tried and true and reliable. But if you just quarter them and then roast them for, um, for either an hour at 400 or longer at a lower temperature, those juices caramelize. And then what I like to do is let them sit out and sort of air dry so they dry a little further. And honest to goodness, I can barely pass the pan without popping one in my mouth because they're <laughs> so sweet and so delicious. Delicious. It's, yeah, it's, I mean, Julie, it sounds fabulous. I, you know, when you said, like, you have to let this, you, you know, caramelize for an hour. Uh-huh. Let's say, I mean, in terms of, because today, you know, there are, things have changed also. Women are out, they're working all day. Men, hopefully, are also doing some of the cooking, so uh-huh. and have a different attitude towards cooking. So how do you incorporate that into, like, your cookbook in terms of, like, time? Is it, does it, how long does it take? Because these recipes look, I mean, just fabulous. And whoever the photographer was, it's like, you could just eat the book, but it's like... <laughs> well, something like, like um, chicken marbella, for example. You can... Put it to marinate the day before, you know, or the night before, because it needs that time in, in garlic and olive oil and lemon lime juice and and with prunes and capers and you know the thing. It takes two seconds to throw that together. Really, put it in a Ziploc bag, stick it in the refrigerator, and you come home at, at the next day and pop it in the oven. And, and 45 minutes an hour later, you have dinner. You know, throw in a, an acorn squash. And you're not in the kitchen preparing. Your oven's just doing all the cooking for you. Yeah. So use be, that oven. <laughs> yeah, use that oven. Just be prepared, right? Well, yeah, and think think in advance. I mean, today, you know, a lamb shank that might take two and a half, three hours to, to roast, just use that oven to do the work for you. What about convection ovens? I, I have a convection oven and then the regular one, and I don't know that I'm using my convection oven in the right way. Is that a better oven to cook with than than? than well, the- I think for baked goods in particular, because it circulates the air, um, and it's it, it, lucky you. I mean, a convection oven at home is a, is a great great luxury, um, but you know. Yes, well, all a convection oven does is really circulate the air better than a, than a standard oven. So you can you can do roast, you can do chicken. Chicken in a, a convection oven gets crispier, I think, than than in a regular oven. Yeah, so it cooks more evenly if you have the luxury of having one at home. Exactly. That, yeah, exactly. it's kind of an even cooking. Now you. Um, you're going to tell us today because now we have all this holiday season. I know Thanksgiving has passed, but we've got Christmas and New Year's and all kinds of stuff like that. Um, and you're going to tell us how to begin a great holiday dinner party. What do we do? Where do we start? I'm always like, what? And that's, I, I'm, I have a party to do, and I, that's the first question. I never know where to begin. It's overwhelming. Well, and it is to a lot of people, and I think it's one of the reasons that we put a lot of menus in, <clears throat> excuse me, in the original book, and there, there are even more in this book, um, because, you know, I mean, thinking the flavors, it, it makes you crazy. I think one of the things that we all have to remember as we approach or, or 
almost up to our neck in the holiday season is to just don't add stress to your life. I mean, <laughs> you know, All right, now it. how do we do that? <laughs> well, what a couple of things. First of all, I think if if you remember that if a hostess and a host have a good time at their own party, everybody else will too. So cook things in advance or and or serve things that are being roasted in your oven while you're out greeting people at the front door, introducing people, making people their first drink, and then saying, oh, please, help yourself to the bar and, and continue making your, you know, your own drinks. People love, guests love to feel at home by doing something, you know. And so you may not want them in your kitchen, but they sure can, can get themselves another drink, and that's, that's helpful. I also like to put people at a table a little smaller than you might think. I mean, put eight people at a table for six, you know, because when you're squinched, when you're squinched at a table, you have much more fun. You're elbow to elbow with the next guy, and there's not a lot of distance. And if there's a lot of distance, you tend to get a little more formal. The same is true if you're doing a big um, holiday open house. The room is better if it's smaller, and not larger, and and if it, if people are squinched and they can easily flow from one conversation to the next rather than having to walk across, you know, ten feet to get to another conversation. So that's interesting because I think Julie, a lot of people are always concerned that if I'm going to have a big open house, that my house isn't big enough, and I you know, and I don't want people like elbow to elbow. But really, the opposite is true. The that opposite is true. People have much more fun if you're having a dinner party, you know, where you sit around, sit around the fireplace, and people are balancing on, you know, it's a buffet and, and, or an hors d'oeuvre buffet or something like that. People are balancing on things, edges of chairs and, and um, you know, arms of chairs and, and footstools and stuff. People really have more fun. Um, and it, it's just, they just want to feel comfortable. And the, the more ways you can make them feel comfortable, the better you are. Um, so, in other words, relax. You say, if you are the host or hostess or... You want to relax. You don't want to run around waiting on people, making them feel uncomfortable. You want right. them to participate is what you're saying. And participate. Yeah. And one of the things I try and do is keep the pace of the party going so that I, I'll i make a little schedule and keep it in the kitchen. And then sometimes I've been known to you because I, I lose all track of time. <laughs> and I'll put a little timer in my, you know, one that rings softly or buzzes or vibrates in my pocket so that we don't overextend the order of cocktail hour, you know, and it all of a sudden it's going an hour and a half. And that's a great idea also, Julie, for I sometimes leave things in the oven that I forgot about, especially if I've had one drink and then suddenly the party is over and I forgot to serve something. Well, exactly. Yeah. So that's another, little... We're going to take a short, well, we, you've got to come back because we have a, two more questions, a couple more questions I want to ask you. It okay. Is, yeah, we're going to take a short break right now, and uh, we're talking to Julie Rosso. She's author or co-author of the Silver Palette Cookbook. I'm Catherine Sox, your social worker with a microphone, and you are listening to the Women's Channel on Voice America. Talking about what you care about. News, relationships, health 
Finances, Voice America, Women's Radio Network. Tired of those fad diets and exercise routines that you don't stick with? Want to find a better way to incinerate fat and energize your life without those worthless pills or gimmicks? Then tune in every Friday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific to Fitness Truth with host Zach Hunt and A.J. Roberts. Achieve your weight loss and fitness goals and maintain them for the rest of your life. The rest of your life. That's Fitness Truth, Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. When I have an asthma attack, I feel scared. It's like tiny nails in the air poke my lungs. I start to cough. Did you know your child's asthma attacks can be triggered by things like shower curtains, a blanket, even a teddy bear? I feel like I'm choking. And there are many other things in your home and your child's classroom you may not know about. For the latest information, call 1-866-NO-ATTACKS. Sometimes I... My parents have to take me to the hospital. Help prevent your child's asthma attacks and avoid the emergency room. Call toll-free 1-866-NO-ATTACKS. That's 1-866-662-8822. Or visit www.noattacks.org. I don't want to feel like a fish with no water. Brought to you by the EPA and the Ad Council. Let's face it, hormones happen. Whether you're a male or female, hormones have an impact on your overall well-being. Dr. Hart brings to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel timely topics that answer your lifelong questions about hormones in men, women, and teens. Tune in to Optimal Wellness every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Optimal Wellness. Live life well. Live life long. Live life to the fullest. We talk with you, not at you. We're Voice America, Women's Radio Network, the new face of talk radio. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. Welcome back to the Catherine Sock Show. You're listening to Voice America, the Women's Channel. I'm your social worker with a microphone, and joining me this morning is Julie Rosso, author of the Silver Palette Cookbook. This is uh, the anniversary edition, 25 years. You know, Julie, I kind of want to turn things around because we have a lot of women, and especially some of the younger women, entrepreneurs starting out in business, and you are, uh, you, you give a lot of lectures to Stanford University Business School, Women's Economic Development Association, um, and business and food and how do you get started? I mean, you've been so successful at it. You've had a rest. You have a restaurant. You know, obviously this cookbook. Do you have any advice or suggestions for young people, but specifically young women starting out in the field? Well, excuse me. Um, you know, I think I, I first said it at Stanford in 1982. Believe it or not, that the best thing to do is follow your passion. Find your passion in life and follow it and the money will come. And I think I, when I grew up, um, I wasn't given that advice. We didn't talk about it. You just got a job. You know, it was a big deal for women to be working in those days. This was 1966. Um, but I learned when we started the Silver Palette how absolutely addictive um, having a passion and then being able to call it work is. 
you wake up in the morning with so many new ideas. You're not trying to copy or do anyone else's life. You you don't have to work for someone. You can just call your own shots. So so find that passion, however it it comes about that you find it and then follow it. Um, I think the other thing that's true is once you have an idea for something and you found your your passion, that it's you know yes you need to consult lawyers and accountants and excuse me talk to friends and all of that but you will know when your idea goes out of your head and into your gut and it becomes an energy that you're non-stoppable that that you found what you really want to do and you will make that idea work because tenacity is such a huge part of success was there anybody when you were starting out and you're saying, you know, that tried to, I mean, not the lawyers and the accountants and that kind of stuff, but anybody who got in the way and you had to kind of like go say, okay, I've got to go with my gut, can't listen to this stuff, people who say to you, hey, you know what, you're not going to, you can't do it, it's, you know, especially well, at that time. Well, because I had come from corporate life, I mean, everybody thought I was crazy, and this was a brand new idea, and, you know, I wasn't sure either, so at, at the time that I started the Silver Palette, I was also going to medical school at Columbia. I was I had a market research business. I was licensing for a couple of designers, so I was sort of hedging my bet here, and, and the Silver Palette was going to be my hobby, and lo and behold, it became you know the focus of my life, and I had to sort of unwind from those other responsibilities. Um, no, the interesting thing, no one tried to dissuade me, but, but I, I was so sort of embarrassed about doing something in food, which, which I was a good home cook and a, you know, sort of the best cook in my crowd out in the Hamptons and stuff like that, but I didn't tell my father until the day before we opened the store. He would have thought I had lost my ever-loving life. <laughs> well, how was your father? You said you were in medical school at Columbia. Uh-huh. So, I, I'm assuming, I don't know how far you were. You? I, was, I went for the eight, first 18 months of the Silver Palette. I, um, I was in, at medical school. I'd go, you know, at late afternoon a few days a week. I used to call it medical school for the aged because I was 33. And, and they <laughs> Today that would not program. be the truth. You'd probably be one of the younger ones, or at least you'd be right in the mix. Well, I was, but um, the other part of it was at one point after 18 months, and I was loving the silver pellet. I was just loving it. I really would have either had to say to my I couldn't do it all. I just couldn't do it all. And I'd, I would have had to say, Dad, hey, you know, can you support me for the next 10 or 12 years? And, boy, I wasn't going to do that. And plus, I mean, while I, I wanted to be desperately to be a pediatrician, um, I really loved the Silver Pal. The ideas were just so energizing, and and the fact that people would stick their heads under the door after they'd taken their dinner home and were out walking after dinner, and they'd say, oh, dinner was just fabulous. Well, that gives you all the energy in the world to recharge your batteries and just, you know, get up at 4 o'clock again and, and do it again. But I'm still so, impressed with your decision, Julie, because, and I, I want to kind of gloss over that, because here you are, a woman, medical school, 32, 33 years old, very mm-hmm. difficult to get in at that particular time. It was. And, yeah, and to make that choice, I mean, obviously you're very talented and very bright, but to, to say, I'm not, you know, after 18 months, that's it, and I'm going to do this, the cookbook thing and then have to, as you say, tell your father about it. Now, was your mother uh, alive or available? Uh-huh. She was. Actually, the person I think who wanted me to, me to become a doctor more than anyone was Sheila, my partner. 
I don't know whether she wanted me to go do something else or just she you know she just was so proud of the fact that I was in in med school um and I remember the day I had to go to my advisor and say you know I really was going to drop out and he said you know this is an irrevocable decision you are now 34 and we don't accept people you know back in the program at that age and and but you know it was just so incredible to me that I could find something I loved as much as um, as the food business and it was just such an exciting time in the food business and maybe I didn't get far enough in med school to have that become my passion it was it was something I wanted desperately to do but maybe I wasn't far enough along to have it reach my soul as much as the food business has. Well, so, do I hear I don't hear you saying you have regrets. Oh, I don't have any regrets no. at all. No, I really don't. I don't. I mean, no, I don't. I've loved <laughs> what I've done. I've loved it and I've I've loved it from from also from a creative point of view, from a business point of view, from um whoever knew that if you wrote a cookbook for three months, that it would bring joy to your life for the rest of your life. I yeah. mean, all those things. So, so no, I, d- I don't have any regrets at all. And I would, and, and this, this obviously, as you say, this cookbook is for life, for your whole life, which is just incredible. I mean, and, and uh, I, I would imagine, and there are a lot more stories for you to tell us. But uh, having made this choice, the Silver Palette Cookbook choice, instead of medical school or pediatrician, you said all of the people and all of the opportunities and all the other stuff that has come along with this. Oh, it's been incredible. I mean, there are very few days that go by in my life that whether it be at the grocery store or over the Internet or an email or a telephone call or a letter or at the inn that I own, um, that somebody just doesn't stop me and say, oh, I just love your recipes, or oh my goodness, that's you, or oh my goodness, you know, and and the joy that sharing stories about dinner parties and recipes and how they've changed the recipes and, you know, how they've become traditions in their families and blah, blah, blah. I mean, whoever thought, whoever thought you could have so much fun because you wrote a cookbook, you know? Yeah, well, it's not just a cookbook, as I said, and, and this is before you came on the show. I mean, it is a classic. It is one of the classics. I don't have there are a couple others, but this is this is a this is a classic cookbook that every most people have on their shelves, and mm-hmm. and I think women and men too now pass it on from generation to generation. They do, and that's fun. I, I remember when we wrote New Basics, and how many young men were standing in line for autographs and saying, "My mom gave this to me because I have to learn how to cook." You know? Exactly, and I taught all three of my boys how to. Cook. I want you to know, and they've used good for you. Yes. So, and we have more men are taking over cooking. Yes, and that's it. Well, so now you have to have another, maybe a book that's another cookbook or an you know adjunct to this one that specifically hones in on the issues in men and cooking. We don't have much time left, and I want listeners to know what websites that they can go to to keep up with what you're doing because you're always doing a lot of a lot of things, interesting things, and where they can buy, well, they can buy the Silver Palette Cookbook on Amazon.com. Oh, and it's in most every every bookstore across the country. Yeah. <laughs> There's also a website, silverpalette.com. My website is wickwoodin, W-I-C-K-W-O-O-D-I-N-N.com. That's where 
things are most up to date for me. Okay, and, and now at the inn, where are you? Where's the inn? Cause the inn is in Saugatuck, Michigan, which is on the shores of Lake Michigan. I'm looking out at huge waves. It's in the 20s today. This is our first really, really cold day. And, I mean, we had green leaves on the trees until last week. It was unbelievable. I mean, we That's never a little bit like that. But it's an inn for 20, we house 22 people every night. We serve a champagne brunch and hors d'oeuvres, sort of extensive hors d'oeuvres. And everybody gets pampered with food at Wickwood. Nobody goes away hungry. Sounds delicious. And are you open in this, you're open in the winter season? We are. And we're I have a friend who's trying to find a place to go to. With she, you know, I have to suggest this to her because she's uh, looking for a place to go to for five days. So I Well, will. it's a tiny little art community that has lots of art galleries and lots of unique shops. There are no drive through you know, or chain restaurant, or restaurants. Yes, just good here. stuff. We have to say goodbye. Great well, having you on the show. So thank you so much. And I really enjoyed talking to you. Julie Rosso, the Silver Palette Cookbook. Go online, buy it. Wonderful Christmas present, Hanukkah present, whatever. Anyway, have a great day. Happy and holidays, dear. Happy holidays to you. Thank um, you. You've been listening to the Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. Hope you had a great day, and we'll see you next week.